Good morning, saints. All right. So uh, I'd like to do something just a little bit different this morning. Uh, As we look at God's word this morning, I wanted to begin uh, essentially by speaking a blessing over you, over all of us. And what I mean by that is speaking the truth about you and the truth about God. The truth from God's word about us. It's a kind of a cold, rainy day. There's a lot going on. Life is busy again. School has started up and so forth. I want to remind you that God loves you. It's something we hear a lot. Sometimes because we hear it so often, there's the possibility that we can... Just, yeah, I've heard that before. And we lose the wonder of it all. But I just want to start with that very simple truth. Because it's true. God loves you. The love that God has for us is unchanging. It's unconditional. It is marvelously beautiful. And it is powerful. And the essence of the gospel is this. It actually is not because of anything you have done to merit or earn it. That's how we become a Christian. We put our faith and our confidence in what Christ has done for us at the cross. Plus none of our little add-ons. But we sometimes forget that that love that we, that beautiful love that we saw when we first became a Christian, that love for us does not change when we become a Christian. John said that we have come to know and rely on the love that God has for us. It is not something that we should ever take for granted. And I will say something else. In my years of being a pastor, this is one thing I have learned. Many of us don't believe it. We actually don't. We'll say it. We know it up here. But down here, if we're honest with ourselves, well, I'm sure God loves her over there. I know God loves him. But me, I'm unworthy. I carry so much shame in my heart that many people don't even know about. If you only knew the real me, you would know why God, mm, he loves people, but maybe he, for me, he just, he just puts up with me. Can I speak the truth of the Lord to you this morning? The love that God has for us, we said it's unconditional. And here's what that means. In a lesser sense, if you woke up this morning before coming to church and you had your quiet time, that is, you spent time with the Lord in his word, that's wonderful. And we obviously encourage that. But if you didn't, God loves you no more or no less based upon your performance. Look at your past week. 
You look at yourself and you rate yourself and you said, well, I failed here and here and I failed there again. God loves you and that love does not change. That love is not dependent upon your performance. That startling realization, when we actually believe it, and we begin to see it jumping off almost every single page in the Bible, we begin to develop such confidence and that joy takes root deep in our heart because we know that we are loved regardless. Now, I say this in passing almost every Sunday, but I want to be very, very clear this morning. I know in a group this big that some have come with great anxiety, great anxiousness. Maybe you're stressed over things. You're overwhelmed. You're angry about something. You're sad. You're grieving. or All kinds of emotions that we bring in. And this is where you need to hear the wonderful love that God has for you. You do not get your clean yourself up so you can come. The blood of Christ has accomplished that for you. So a simple message. But I want us all to receive that and to hear that. God loves us and he will not let us go. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn or scroll with me. There's no slide for this. This is Ephesians chapter 3. I'd like to just demonstrate briefly this central and core message in Scripture. We do well to pay pay close attention to the apostolic prayers in Scripture. That is, when we see or read the apostles who are under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing the New Testament, watch how they pray. Because some of those prayers are recorded for us. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm just going to read it all. Verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell, that is, be completely comfortable in your hearts through faith. Now watch how he picks up the theme of love. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Watch this. May have strength to comprehend together with all the saints. This is a group, this is a group project. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? And to know experientially the love of Christ stop you lack the power 
to begin to comprehend the beauty and the splendor and the magnitude of God's love for you. You actually, you can't even begin that process without the strength of the Holy Spirit showing that to you, impressing it upon you, and teaching that to you. Now look at verse 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I love the tensions in scripture. Did you see what he just said? I'm praying for you that you would know and comprehend the love of God. By the way, you will never fully know the love of God. Because the love of God is bigger than you. It is bigger than your problems. It is bigger than your heartache. It is bigger than the failures that you beat yourself up regarding. That's the love of God. Uh, Where are we? Drop off. Um, uh, That surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, how are we filled? Filled with the fullness of God. Well, when we begin by God, with God's help to understand, to believe, and to stand on the great love that He has for me. That's it. When was the last time that you meditated upon or reflected upon the love that God has for you? I am here to tell you it is not a fluffy love. When the one who created all things and sustains all things by the word of his power wound up a bloody mess on a cruel Roman cross, that's not fluffy love. That's not just emotions flowing. That is a love that lays down his life for you. Don't think for a moment he did not know all the, the muck in your life before he died for you. He knows it. The love of God. Believe it. Now it's no no accident that the well-known and beloved verse that follows is this. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Oh, how we, we just don't give him the credit he deserves. God will do that for him, but not for me. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. That's God's power at work in you. Good news. You don't have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You need to trust and believe in the love that God has for you. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever and ever and ever. This is a Colin revised version and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Do we believe it? Would you all stand with me if you're able just for a moment. Most gracious Heavenly Father, here we are gathered in your name and in your house. We've lifted up our voices in worship, perhaps 
Some, perhaps we lifted them up weakly, as in without strength. Perhaps we didn't fully believe what we were singing. Oh Lord, in this moment, I pray that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, meet us right where we are. Those who have put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That love that was shown us at the cross wasn't a one-time act of love that's been cashed out and done long ago. You love us so beautifully, so faithfully, so deeply. You are aware of everything that we are currently facing and everything that we are feeling, the challenges that are before us, the challenges that are behind us, and the challenges that we, we just feel are all around us. Lord, you know us. We pray that you would minister your love in the most fantastic and beautiful way this morning. We give you thanks and we give you praise. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for allowing me to speak a little extemporaneously this morning. I invite you to go to the Old Testament and turn with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. If you're visiting this morning, we're in a series uh, focusing on the wisdom of God. We're rooting much of what we're looking at in the book of Proverbs, which has much to speak about wisdom. Today's theme uh, is best understood against the backdrop of what I was just speaking to, the love that God has for us. In fact, it's from my perspective, it's imperative that you do that. Solomon here reminds us that just as Lady Wisdom raises her voice, as she did earlier in this very chapter, Inviting all to come and follow after her, to not be simple, to not make mistakes that you regret later on in life. There is a competing voice, and that is what many translations, I think, put very well, which is Lady Folly. I had a neighbor, I shared this from time to time, a neighbor that... Um, Growing up, and he had an old Camaro. He was very proud of his Camaro. But he had a little bumper sticker on it that said, Lead me not into temptation. I can find it myself. We are fully aware, fully aware, that in life, we feel pulled and tugged in so many different directions. Sometimes with exasperation, we ask ourselves, Have I yet fallen to that sin again? Why, 10 years into my walk with Christ, am I still dealing with that? My message this morning is really very simple, and I'll keep it that way. You and I will always face a competing voice for the direction that we are taking in life. 
as we as believers in Christ set our heart and our mind and purpose to follow Christ, please believe me when I say you will be met with resistance, distractions, and a tug at every turn in your life. But remember, remember the message started with God loves you. Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Jesus, of course, said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So I'm not here to scare you per se, but I am here to sound the alarm to say we need to be very sober minded in how we live our life. So our passage is Proverbs chapter nine. And we'll begin in verse 13, and we'll read to the end. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat at the highest places of town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. That is, they're heading in a direction. She is calling them. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there. That her guests are in the depth of Sheol. Recall, not long ago, we had a message from Psalm 27. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Perhaps this message should have followed that one. Because as we set our hearts and our mind on the one thing, to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, there will always be a competing voice. There will always be... A tug that pulls us in a different direction. Scripture says, let he who thinks he is strong take heed lest he fall. Right? So we need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be discerning in how we live our life and who we listen to. And we simply need to know that there will always be, until we see Christ face to face, There will always be a tug. There will always be a temptation. The world, the flesh, and the devil do not take a vacation, and nor do they take naps. And if you are a child of God, you say amen, because you know that is absolutely true. I would like to very simply point out three very key aspects of this passage. To describe folly. Folly, obviously, foolishness, is the opposite of wisdom. The entire book of Proverbs is oriented to show us and tell us to pursue wisdom. And to show us how to do that. To show us the value of wisdom in our day-to-day life. Big picture and small picture. You need to know that the competing voice... Folly, foolishness. Number one, Lady Folly, she will clamor for your 
attention. We're giving this a broad application, this passage this morning. Verse 13. Woman folly is loud. So you need to know this. If you've set your heart and your mind to follow Christ, the temptations that will call you by name, they won't be whispers. They won't be quiet little whispers over here saying, if you're listening, come this way. No. Folly is loud. You and I can expect many distractions in life, lesser things, things that sparkle, things that catch our eye, things that look good, things that give us perhaps immediate satisfaction, if you will, that kind of scratch our itch in the moment but have no lasting value. The beginning of the chapter, if you have your Bibles open, I'm just going to read the first few verses. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillows. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has set her table. Verse 4, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, come eat of my bread and and drink the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. And walk in the way of insight. That's a Jewish way of saying live your life in this way, in this direction, anchored by what is good. Folly. It will clamor for your attention. Folly can take so many different forms. Sexual temptation, worldly ideologies that teach you absolute nonsense. The second thing that I want you to know about folly is this. Look further at her methods. It says, verse 13, that she is seductive. Those temptations that come your way, they're very seducing. They pull at your flesh. Fine words. Covering over absolute stupidity to pull you to come in. So know this, that in this general arena of wisdom and folly, folly is not going to present itself for what it actually is. Stupidity. Oh, it will bring you in. It will appeal to your flesh. It will appeal to worldly thinking. That's folly. She is so slick. She is so enticing. Third. Look at the results. Engaging folly. Never ends well. Engaging in sin for temporary satisfaction 
adopting worldly ideologies or worldviews or thoughts that are contrary to the clear teaching of Scripture never end well. The contrast could not be more clear. Verse 18. But he doesn't know that the dead are there. That her guests are in the depths of Sheol. There is no bright future when we succumb to temptation, when we follow foolishness. There is nothing good in that path. As a dad, I speak to moms and dads, aunts and uncles and mentors and all, all of those who have a place of input and a place of uh, maybe mentoring those who are younger. Show them this. Because it's all around. Keep a close eye on any advertising. It's always just to get you in the moment. Folly will always offer a second best. And I say second loosely. It will always offer an imitation. The porn industry is a multi-billion dollar industry of nothing from beginning to end of death and destruction. Is it seductive? We know it is. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'd like to read this and I'd like to, if you're able to see this in your own copy of God's word. This is Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Remember, folly, foolishness, emptiness, stupidity is often peddled by people who match that same description. Paul was, of course, an apostle. He was a mouthpiece of the gospel. He was taking the good news of Jesus Christ into the Gentile world primarily. Look at verse 13. He had his own battles he had to fight. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. So foolishness, remember, is not going to be a picture with a guy in red with horns and a pitchfork. Foolishness often disguises itself in something ostensibly that is good. Verse 14, and no wonder, for even Satan himself disguises himself or masquerades as an angel of light. There's a reason why entire chunks of the New Testament are devoted to false prophets and false teachings. Second Peter, Jude, Hebrews, those three alone There is always nonsense being peddled in every generation. And the most pernicious is when it's given in the name of God. 
So it is no surprise, going back to the silly people, verse 15, it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So I appeal to you as your shepherd, if you are dialed in, tuned in to people, influencers, preachers out there who do not bother to even open the word of God to you, you can just unfollow them. This is a very, this is such an important message. And again, I'm putting it against the backdrop of the immense love that God has for us. Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, John chapter 10. Jesus is saying the exact same thing that Solomon is here in chapter 9. The end is death. But Jesus said in that same chapter, verse 10, what did he say? I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. Saints, do not settle for second best. Now, we will let our fingers do our walking, the walking. Young people, you can ask your parents what I mean by that reference there. We're going to take a quick stroll through the New Testament because I never want you to just think, oh, that's a nice passage there in Proverbs buried in the Old Testament somewhere. This literally is the message of the entire Bible. And we'll demonstrate that right now. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Mark chapter 14. We're going to do this quickly. Lest we think that this is somehow confined to the Old Testament, we will now conduct a brief survey of the New Testament. Listen to the words of our Lord. Mark chapter 14, verse 8. 38, excuse me. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's a four-point sermon right there. Be watchful. Be alert. Take heed unto yourself in your way. Number two, pray. Number three, temptation. It's ever. And the flesh is weak. That's Jesus. The Apostle Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's consider his words to his protege, Timothy. Who was a young pastor charged with so much. 2 Timothy chapter 2. While you're turning, this literally was the first little message Colin ever gave at the age of 12. I was visiting... Uh, with my mom, with my visiting my grandparents in England as I was growing up. You might recall my grandparents were missionaries and wonderfully godly people. And they had a prayer gathering during the, the day. It was basically retired pastors and missionaries. So there is Colin, all of 12 years old, attempting to give a valuable word to such men and women of such wonderful godliness. It lasted, I think, about 90 seconds. But it was based on this verse. Chapter 2, verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits or affairs since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. If Paul 
I'm sorry, if Timothy, the pastor, needed to hear it, so do we. Don't get entangled in what's around you. More examples. He continues, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes in accordance to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crop. So there you go. There's a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Don't get comfortable. How about James, the half-brother of Jesus? James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. The folly, the folly of pursuing stuff as if your life does not have an expiration date. For what is your life? You are a mist, that, a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. The psalmist says, Psalm 90, Lord, teach us to number our days aright that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Do you know how, wisdom, how much wisdom increases when we simply believe what is actually observably true? I'm not going to live forever. And I am not guaranteed of tomorrow. Oh, but James isn't done. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. He's obviously not speaking about making some plans. I mean, we want to plan our life. We want to make good plans and anticipate different things. But he's saying, if your whole mindset is... I'm invincible. Not at all. Perhaps I'll make it personally as a dad. You know we have six kids. When I first started as your pastor, I came in one Sunday and I wore a little bracelet. It said Kaylee Seeger on it. And it said, Dad, our kids are growing up. And so are yours. Be wise with the time that we have. A couple more. How about Peter? Foot and mouth disease. The one we all love. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. That's it. That, we could stop right there. Be sober-minded and be watchful. Why? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. There's a mindset that wisdom calls for. Don't be comfortable. Don't be lax. But be sober-minded. But you need to see the backdrop. Verse 10. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. 
Amen. Saints, we have been called to glory. Why do we meddle with lesser things? Why do we succumb to things that scratch the itch in the moment, but we know full well they do not satisfy us at all? We need to land the plane here. John, the apostle of love. 1 John chapter 2. Do not, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. Don't love them. Enjoy them, like them, pursue hobbies, all of those things, but don't set your affections on things on earth, Paul told the Colossians in chapter 3. But set your affections on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, going back to John. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is a direct command and very weighty words. But listen to how he continues. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, and the pride of life, this is they are not from the Father, but from the world. Remember, John is going to tell you exactly what James just told you. The world is passing away along with its desires, along with its passions, and along with its lusts. But whoever does the will of God, that is synonymous with a Christian, does the will of God, abides forever. Saints, do not entangle yourself in the affairs of this world. Don't. Be watchful, be prayerful, be mindful that stupidity literally lives all around you. And when we give in, when we pursue, when we, when we succumb or engage temptation, I promise you the end result is death. It never ends well. Wherefore, as scripture says, encourage one another with these words. That is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Amen? Amen. All right. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Again, most gracious Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks and praise. We lift up the cup of salvation. We say thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live among us, to die for us, to reconcile us to you who is holy through faith in him. Oh Lord, we are, it can feel as if we are beaten down. We can be so easily discouraged by what is around us, by what we're dealing with. We can be angry with things that are going on in our life. Oh Lord, I pray in this moment today that you would restore us and renew us in the love that you have for us. Give us your strength, your wisdom, your resolve to say no to lesser things and follow you with all of our hearts and trust you. To trust you with all of our heart. To acknowledge you 
in everything that we do. Thank you for the simplicity and the power of the good news of Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.